that, it's 7 o'clock. You are listening to Redwood Community Radio, KMUD Garberville, 91.1 FM and HD1, KMUE Eureka, 88.1 FM and HD1, KLAI Laytonville, 90.3 FM, on the web, KMUD.org, and in Shelter Cover at 99.5 on FM Translator, K258BQ. Well, good evening and welcome to Ask Your Herb Doctor. This is June 17th, 2022. My name's Andrew Murray. My name's Sarah Johannesson Murray. So once again, welcome to the show, which runs from 7 till 8 o'clock. And at 7.30, we open the lines up to invite callers in uh, with questions uh, related to this month's topic, uh, which is going to be around food and the corporation's control of food and some ongoing uh, numbers and statistics uh, from the COVID outfall. Uh, and then we're going to get into uh, some parts of the political discourse and involvement in big companies in the Ukraine and fertilizer production. And then hopefully we're going to get to the uh, topic of the baby milk shortage, uh, follow that up with some artificial meat topics and uh, as always uh, have the great pleasure of uh, having Dr. Pete's uh, superb overview of a lot of things and I guess it's part of his age that enables him to encompass 70 well he's certainly older than that um but he it encompasses at least 40 50 years of time spent studying the subjects and uh another three decades on top of that of living uh for this amount of time to see uh, the uh, events unfolding that have done so he's got a pretty good rounded uh, a view of many different subjects and obviously alternative medicine is one of them uh, and he's been uh, obviously spending a large part of his life and his career uh, looking at the research which is always the most interesting part of any of this factual information it's not just opinion um, so once again uh, very pleased to have Dr. Raymond Pete Joyce join us on the show Dr. Pete are you there? Yes Okay, well, uh, if you don't mind me just for the next five minutes or so, I just wanted to run a, uh, an introduction to, uh, some of the questions that I'll be asking you and getting your opinion on. Um, but just wanted to wrap up last month's, um, discourse. We talked about, um, you know, genetic modification and corporations with patent rights on, uh, intellectual property that they are saying, uh, especially Monsanto, uh, with their genetically engineered seeds, uh, and the quote unquote moratorium that was on natural products, uh, certainly seems to have been put to one side now, where naturally occurring products like corn, um, wheat and potatoes etc although they're natural they have now been granted patent rights on their genetically modified versions of them uh, and I think this also runs into vaccine um, technology and obviously the emerging infections that we've gone through since the late or mid 1990s up until now with covid obviously being the major part of our prior two-year discourse on the events of covid um, I also wanted to remind people that the uh, lawyer Reiner Formick is, uh, well, I think he's still presenting it, but has a huge amount of data on the website, which I would encourage everyone to look at as a superb chronologically documented series of allegations, which essentially he's, um, uh, charging crimes against humanity, uh, for many organizations institutions and governments uh, and that website is as a secure website https colon forward slash forward slash radical r-a-t-i-c-a-l dot org forward slash pandemic parallax view that should get you there there's a bit more in the url but essentially radical.org and then pandemic parallax view so lists every detail about the beginning from the wuhan lab fauci the funding of it all up until the present point and why people have been so hoodwinked over what's happened 
Uh, also mentioned last month that the United Nations uh, has changed the terminology from technocracy to green economy and sustainable development and how that impacts us all very negatively because it sounds so innocuous and harmless sustainable development who doesn't want sustainability we all do i do i want local markets i want people growing food locally i don't want huge corporations shipping food from one side of the world to the other and displacing rural farmers you know so we want sustainable development but the words sustainable development have been couched in such a way as to embrace this technocracy which we uh, exposed last month as really beginning from about the 1920s and Dr. Pete certainly weighed in uh, on what he understands of technocracy having lived through it and then obviously the Rockefeller Foundation and all the other power players that are forming the heads of government institutions and global organizations uh, from the Codex Alimentarius series of programs that we did a long time ago. Uh, Rima Labo has exposed that as being part of a world government order to get us all to this point that we've heard recently about the Great Reset. So anyway, that was just an overview of last month. So I wanted just to open up this month, and I hadn't mentioned this earlier, Dr. Pete, but it's something that caught my eye was that while I was looking at the information for this month's show, um, that the, the fifth largest life insurance company in the U.S., has just paid out 163% more for deaths of working people, folks, not old old people just ready to die, but working people from 18 to 64. So that group, uh, they've paid out 163% more for deaths for that age group. Um, so company, the company cites that non-pandemic-related morbidity and unusual claims adjustments is the explanation of losses from group life insurance businesses and the stock is falling and the CEO is being replaced etc and they're trying to prop this up so the head of an Indianapolis based insurance company One America said the death rate is up a stunning 40% from pre-pandemic levels among working age people now five months after breaking this story uh, of the CEO of One America insurance company saying deaths among working people ages 18 to 64 were up 40% in the third quarter of 21 a new report is out that a much larger life insurance company, namely Lincoln National, reported a 163% increase in death benefits paid out under its group life insurance policies in 2021. To quote One America, the company CEO Scott Davidson stated that we're seeing right now the highest death rates we've seen in the history of this business, not just at One America. The data is consistent across every player in the business. Now, One America is a $100 billion insurance company that has has had its headquarters in Indianapolis since 1877. The company has approximately 2,400 employees and sells life insurance, including group life insurance, to employees and employers in the state. Now, Davison said the increase in death represents huge, huge numbers and that it's not elderly people who are dying, but primarily working age people, 18 through 64, who are the employees of companies that have group life insurance plans plans through one america and what we saw just in third quarter we're seeing it continue into fourth quarter and that is that death rates are up 40 percent over what they were pre-pandemic just to give you an idea of how bad that is a three sigma or a one in 200 year catastrophe would be 10 percent increase over pre-pandemic so 40 percent is just unheard of now what is driving this unprecedented surge in quotes all cause mortality it was not only deaths of working age people that shot up to unheard of levels in 2021 but also short and long-term disability claims now this holds true then the genetic vaccine so aggressively promoted have failed and the clear federal campaign to prevent early treatment with life-saving drugs has contributed to a massive avoidable loss of life at worst this report implies that the federal workplace vaccine mandates have driven what appeared to be a true crime against humanity. Massive loss of life in presumably workers that have been forced to accept a toxic vaccine at higher frequency relative to the general population of Indiana. And furthermore, we've also been living through the most massive globally coordinated propaganda and censorship campaign in the history of the human race. All major mass media and the social media technology companies have coordinated to stifle and suppress any discussion of the risks of the genetic vaccines and or alternative early treatments. 
Between artificial intelligence-powered algorithms and social media tech giants complicit in their communist-style suppression of information, we've witnessed an avoidable mass casualty event, needlessly caused by a mandated experimental medical procedure which obliterated and eviscerated the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States in the process. How you may well ask yourself, did this happen? By deceit, collusion and corruption all tools used by evil people with wicked intent against their brothers and sisters, an international corrupt cabal, as well as by our very own complacency and failure to speak out en masse. So, Dr. P, uh, with that introduction, I'm sure it's not news to you. I know you've been uh, pretty tirelessly talking about this since the very beginning of 2020. Uh, What are your interpretations of this insurance company's disclosure of these facts revealed by public records request? It wasn't freely sent out, but uh, a company requested this. um, Uh, Several uh, other companies since then have uh, reported very similar uh, increased mortality around 40% in the uh, working age group. Uh, and uh, so it's, uh, insurance companies uh, generally have extremely uh, accurate statistics, uh, uh, better than governments as a rule, uh, because their income depends on exactness. Uh, and so uh, it's really the the scientific basis for uh, saying that uh, it it wasn't the virus that's responsible, but the uh, vaccination. Uh, That's that's when the 40% rise began. Uh, And it fits the uh, virologists, uh, uh, the the skeptical virologists uh, have been claiming that uh, that the uh, mortality is uh, going to be far, far worse uh, f- from the vaccine than from uh, wh- whatever occurred from the, va- the uh, virus. Because I think that was the uh, the point that was made mention that it was all cause all cause mortality in young people, and it was a lot of it was to do with damage and disability. Um, so whether the death may have been, um, you know caused by the vaccine or not the amount of money paid out due to the disabilities that were um claimed i think this is this is a pretty uh, a pretty stunning part of the uh, the numbers that we use to cite the the, the payments and uh, i think you've mentioned in the past that the uh, uh when we're describing things like mortality and altitude it was the very insurance companies that actually let that information out which supported that claim that um that lower premiums were basically imposed on people at higher altitude because they really were not uh, as likely as people at sea level to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's the first thing. Just seen some kind of glaring headlines about uh, deaths and insurance companies making payouts and uh, how this is now just part of the fallout uh, of COVID and everything that happened uh, to quote unquote try to mitigate uh, this virus anyway so that's been uh, fairly fairly uh, long um, a fairly long process here for the last two years now and uh, supposedly now what we're seeing and not supposedly but I think it's the actuality of it all uh, with Omicron whether or not Omicron um, I don't know if you if you feel that <laughs> whether or not your opinion is that Omicron is a naturally produced variant uh, or indeed any other type of... Um, it, it, it has the most bizarre uh, uh, gene sequences <laughs> of uh, all of the other variants because uh, starting with the Wuhan, uh, the other variants uh, show a series of mutations building on each other. So the most recent uh, until Omicron uh, showed exactly the same series of mutations incorporated, so it was uh, definitely that virus uh, improving its survivability by mutating. Uh, uh, but uh, the uh, uh, Omicron is unique. It didn't show any mutations 
after Wuhan, uh, while the, uh, the Wuhan virus was going through uh, all of these changes, uh, nothing was happening at all to, to the uh, Omicron. Uh, suddenly, when it pops up, it is essentially the uh, pristine Wuhan virus uh, with a new series built right on the original virus. None of the history of natural mutation as it was being held aside and going through a different series of mutations as if it wasn't in the world at all for these intervening years. So are you uh, so are you saying that basically the original covid went through mutations and you can track that and then all of a sudden omicron was like the original uh, with yeah. just some alterations to it so it looked like it had been lab produced or uh, produced uh, in a lab uh, uh, yeah and those uh, uh, mutations made it uh, much less harmful so it was if someone was preparing a product to end the pandemic by turning it off with a fairly harmless virus. So do you think that when if people have Omicron and they've developed antibodies to that and caught that naturally, even though it's not a naturally mutated virus, then will they be better able to fight the original Delta or those other variants uh, no, it won't especially affect them. It'll just, if it's uh, the dominant virus and it's very harmless, uh, then the other one just isn't going to be around to cause trouble. Okay, you're listening to Ask Your Ab Dr. KMUD Gamble 91.1 FM. From 7.30 to the end of the show, callers are invited to call in with any questions either related to this month's discussion uh, or indeed any other questions they'd like to pose to Dr. Pete uh, about health-related or quote-unquote alternative medicine. Uh, the number is 707-923-3911. So from 7.30 to the end of the show, 8 o'clock, uh, callers call in to 707-923-3911. Okay, so moving on to uh, the kind of uh, major content of this next 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Um, I read an article about the Oakland Institute, and this was a 2014 article. And the article is certainly, yeah, nearly eight years years later, um, what we're seeing now in Ukraine and Russia... Um, it's kind of not really a political uh, question, but you know, it, it uh, it's really it's really uh, a question that's embroiled in uh, health and government control and takeovers and you know aggressive campaigning, of which um, you know people have certainly heard a lot about Roundup and Monsanto, and we've all heard about GMO and Monsanto. And it's a huge corporation. So the Oakland Institute, um, like I said, published a 2014 paper outlining uh, what was being described then as a global corporate takeover of agricultural land in the Ukraine. And um, if you look at Ukraine, it's been hailed as the breadbasket of Europe uh, with a staggering 32 million plus hectares of incredibly fertile black arable soil. Now, for those of you who are gardeners or horticulturalists or farmers, you're well aware of what this means to crops planted. In short, lush, rich, fertile growth with excellent crop yields and quality harvests. If you too are Monsanto, one of the biggest agribusinesses on the planet or one of a handful of other players buying into this hugely profitable location, rights to ownership and to play this game is extremely lucrative and corruption as always exists at the highest level for the highest returns, naturally. 
Ukraine's agricultural land was under a moratorium that banned its sale um, through January 1st, 2016. And when Ukraine separated from the Soviet Union in 1990, collectivized communal farms were disbanded and land was distributed in parcels of approximately four hectares each to people living on the collectivized farms. In 2001, Ukraine passed its land code legislation that gave people functional titles to land and since then, there's been a moratorium on the sale of land, which, as noted, was extended through January 1st, 2016. The moratorium on land sales applies only to agricultural land, making it both legal and affordable for investors to build and operate a 100% foreign-owned processing facility on its own industrial land while leasing fields from agricultural landowners until the moratorium on the sale of agricultural land was lifted. A second way that investors could circumvent the land moratorium was by buying shares of large existing Ukrainian agribusinesses. The system of land distribution in the 1990s often led to the concentration of land in the hand of a few elites. Alongside land, opportunities in Ukraine for the development, production and use of agricultural inputs like seeds, agrochemicals and fertilizers have attracted investment by agribusiness giants Monsanto, Cargill, DuPont and others. So I was going to ask you, Dr. Pete, um, you had lots of other information to tie this. Everyone has heard about the International Monetary Fund yep. uh, offering Ukraine a $40 billion loan if they would stop the moratorium, specifically so Monsanto and the other giant corporations could... Uh, concentrate uh, ownership uh, uh, on a big corporate scale uh, and uh, that uh, that there was a coup uh, to uh, make make that happen because the elected president hmm. uh, had uh, uh, rejected the IMF fund and the IMF uh, uh, working with uh, uh, World Bank and uh, all, all of the other uh, so-called Western authorities uh, 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 wanted uh, to uh, reverse that, stop the moratorium, uh, and so they supported the coup. And the coup was very clear that they were going to adapt laws that would uh, let Monsanto take over. Uh, and uh, when, when the coup happened, in fact, that, that did take place. Uh, and uh, so they had to uh, get, get rid of the legally elected president uh, and uh, uh, establish the, the Zelensky mm -hmm. government supporting so how, how do you uh, how do you see Russia's involvement? I mean, because it seems to be a two-sided story. Some people um, say that you know the Ukraine, from a political and/or ownership geographical uh, perspective. Well, part of the Monsanto thing is that uh, they want to use uh, chemicals Roundup right. uh, to, to make the profitability of certain giant uh, land. Corporations uh, favorable to them, and the, the uh, European Union had opposed the United States policy of uh, supporting Monsanto and genetic modification, and so the there was a conflict between Western Europe, uh, who had quite a, a lot of resistance several European uh, Western European countries uh, uh, went along with uh, wanting to outlaw uh, GMOs mm -hmm. uh, and uh, that was uh, creating stresses between Western Europe and the 
anti-GMO people, and it turned out that historically Russia had been passing laws to promote organic farming right. and to outlaw GMOs, and so they were aiming for a hundred percent freedom from GMOs, and naturally from Monsanto. And that that really was was the polarization for for the coup, for the International Monetary Fund loan. When the elected president made a deal with Russia for a loan that would bypass the International Monetary Fund. Uh, uh, that was uh, the, the actual moment when, when the coup uh, took place and they uh, got him out of out of Ukraine. I'd, uh, I read, well, I think it was a couple of years ago, and so you can back me up on this, that um, Vladimir Putin was boasting uh, that he was going to make Russia one of the, if not the biggest... Uh, organic food producer in the world. Yeah, that's what one of his goals was. But, I mean, I thought GMOs are still banned in Europe. Well, I think they are in England. I'm pretty sure England have banned GMOs. In, uh, no, I thought in, in England they're not banned, but oh. because they're not part of the EU, so the EU is banned GMOs? Is that what you're understanding, Dr. Pete? Um, they are uh, wobbling on the issue. They're still opposition to it, but the, now the war for Monsanto has affected the West and they aren't pushing so hard to to oppose the GMOs. I wonder how the uh, the whole fertilizer shortage, again, as apparently Ukraine is a big exporter of, or manufacturer of fertilizer. Uh, I wonder how that plays into it, along with the um, the, the agricultural like, rich diversity that there is possible there in Ukraine and how this quote-unquote food shortage is now uh, they're talking about. Before we get into the subject of uh, baby milk, um, the food shortage issue, um, I wonder how <laughs> I wonder how politically motivated this is in terms of... Uh, oh, oh, you can calling. see many specific things in which it's being just openly... Uh, promoted, for example, uh, Union Pacific uh, Railroad uh, announced that uh, they just weren't going to ship uh, all of the uh, fertilizer that uh, the farmers needed. Uh, and uh, that preceded by several weeks uh, the announcement that they were uh, not going to uh, allow the shipment and sale of urea, hmm. uh, which is used in the diesel motors of trucks, uh, and uh, by restricting the availability of this urea fuel modifier, uh, they can turn off a truck delivery too. As a railroad, they simply said they're not going to ship all of the fertilizer that's ordered. And why did they say that? No one knows, but it seems to be that they are controlled by BlackRock, the giant fund. BlackRock. And that is also just openly uh, intending to turn off the, the food economy. <coughs> I mean, really... It's so they want to create a shortage for some monetary gain? Uh, oh, yeah. The, uh, Absolutely. If you look at the pattern over the last several years, when the, the, at the very... just weeks before the uh, pandemic... Uh, Klaus Schwab uh, was saying, uh, well, we've uh, 
done our best to use uh, the carbon dioxide climate change uh, uh, mistake in science uh, to, to uh, fulfill our purpose of controlling the overall production. But now, luckily, we've got something much, much better that in just a period of two or three years, we'll be able to turn off the national and world production of of everything or ordinary daily economy, including food and all of the necessaries of life. I mean, you can't you can't make this stuff up. And I, I this reminds me of that the whole uh, the whole discourse that I first heard with Rima Labo back in two thousand six, I think it was Codex Alimentarius, and how the entire thing is essentially a playbook um, from from the end of the war or just before that really with the uh, emergence um, of technocracy through to global governments and one world currency it's all it's all been documented and she the way she was talking uh, back in 2006 i i it blew me away i couldn't believe what i was hearing i just say is this totally fantastic fantasy or is this you know i started looking into it and the more you look at it the more connections you see and so when we get things like the war in Ukraine and we hear, well, actually, maybe, you know, Russia was siding on the side of um, organic production and, you know, yeah, it was part of former Russia. And so what really is the problem? Uh, I mean, obviously, there's a problem with people dying. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I don't, I'm not condoning war. But the reasons by which this happened are serious government evil uh, prospects and control and manipulation of the populations of various countries to produce the narrative they want and that's exactly what social media uh, has seek, has sought to bring about um, since it all came out for Facebook and YouTube and all of the glorious technology of social media uh, you know the advent of it you know, back in 2009 or so you know, when the iPhones were becoming really popular and the software to do this was connecting all these people like never before so kind of you know it's, it, might sound, it may sound a little scary to people that are just listening to it but there's a lot more in it and unfortunately um, I don't think there's a huge amount we can do about it except peacefully protest and I think that's the saddest part of what I've witnessed going through these last two years is that there's such a polarization, there's such a control of information on the one hand that people are not getting the full information. I just heard today that Simone Gold, uh, one of the doctors uh, in LA, of the American frontline doctors um, who were organizing, um, you know, patient consultations and alternatives to COVID treatments that were, you know, the experimental drugs, she's just been in prison for two months. Uh, and this was all part and parcel of her um 2020 uh, appearance at the state capitol and her peaceful protest yeah peaceful protest basically saying that she objected to what was going on and that the whole thing about free speech is like if we're not careful folks it's gone you know and getting ratted out by your neighbor is in and the soviet style era of people watching people and people policing each each other uh, it's kind of a scary reality, which I think has crept in so perva un, you know, pervasively with this COVID, uh, quote-unquote, pandemic, that most people are looking, I don't know, I'm not quite sure where um, they're getting their information from that's countering this narrative that we hear about, because it's it's everywhere you look. I mean, to find an alternative view on the COVID uh, <laughs> scenario is a kind of exception anyway you're listening to Ask Europe Doctor on KMED Gavaville 91.1 FM uh, from now until 8 o'clock the lines are open uh, the number is 707-923-3911 once again 707-923-3911 ok so getting to uh, the milk crisis the baby milk crisis uh I wonder what, what your opinion of this is, because I know you've definitely got lots to say about uh, soy and PUFA and all of these things. I mean, from a perspective of making money, from a corporate perspective of, uh, you know, mothers in Africa, 
Um, and I'm not saying that women that have children that don't produce enough milk shouldn't be helped. Of course not. But there are other alternatives to formula. So what do you think about this baby formula crisis? And it may be not a bad thing. Uh, uh, the soy formula uh, had its own terrible side effects uh, in immature animals. The estrogenic factors associated with the proteins used in making the milk substitute cause deformed genitals in the developing young and later promote tumors of various sorts. Uh, so the the plant-based milk formulas uh, were, were a, a terrible problem in themselves, uh, and then the Nestle uh, innovations, uh, basically selling dehydrated cow milk as a basis for. Uh, people around the world to mix up at home to produce a liquid milk substitute despite the fact that clean clean water to mix it with is absent in so many of the poor countries. So they were doing something very counter-social and and dangerous, uh, uh, but uh, the uh, even in the U.S., uh, where people uh, could make a formula themselves if they uh, really couldn't produce milk, uh, they could simply make a formula based on cow milk. Uh, and uh, uh, when it isn't dehydrated, uh, the reaction on the immune system is, is less less harmful to take take a, a non-human milk and introduce it right at the very beginning will cause some antigenic differences but at least if it's made from fresh cow milk uh, that's a lot safer than uh, dehydrating it uh, because uh, every, every time you dehydrate a, a living substance, uh, you kill it and oxidize some of the proteins, amino acids, uh, and especially the fatty acids. Uh, uh, the, the cholesterol is oxidized. That's really only one of the fairly trivial problems of dehydrated milk is that the cholesterol is damaged and made toxic. But many, many other components of the milk are susceptible to oxidative damage. And there is a whole... Uh, anti-science that has grown up uh, uh, to defend the industry's use not only of dehydrated milk uh, but of the added polyunsaturated fatty acids uh, which is it's really a separate issue uh, because the, they argue that human milk contained more PUFA uh, than cow milk. Uh, and so the, the, that has been a, a separate industry to say that the baby must be given a supplement of uh, N-3 fatty acids because they, they say uh, almost all babies at birth have evidence of a deficiency of N-3 
fatty acids. But that's because the placenta's filtered it out. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. It is recognized as something to be excluded uh, during pregnancy. Uh, and uh, But they reverse that and say you need to supplement everyone because everyone is deficient. Because the body naturally tries to keep it away from the baby. You're deficient. That's just the rationale is insane. And they extend that to say that the aged brain contains increased amounts of N minus three PUFA. And so they're wanting to say that. Because you find it in the old brain, uh, that means it should be there. But uh, meanwhile, the old brain has deteriorated <laughs> in proportion to the uh, reduction uh, of mitochondrial uh, energy production, uh, and that reduction corresponds uh, to the increased presence of N minus three PUFA in the brain. So at every point they've twisted the science. And one of the ways they twist it is with a certain uh, test of uh, retinal responsiveness uh, to electrical stimulation. And uh, they say if you increase that with your added PUFA, you're going to uh, show that uh, that addition makes the, the, the eye develop faster and uh, uh, the brain developing uh, its mental ability sooner. But that, that is all just uh, fantasy speculation. Okay. Um, we uh, got a caller came in. Apparently the caller wanted to ask a question off the air. So uh, before we go to this next question, uh, the lines are open, 707-923-3911 the uh, number to call. Uh, so, okay, what was, the, what was the question that was being asked? Uh, so the caller wanted to know if you could talk about some good things for menopause, such as um, she's having brain fog and nausea. Hmm. Well, ginger is always great for nausea. And brain brain fog, okay. So good new new nootropics. Um, I don't know how supportive you are of nootropics outside of uh, using anti-stress uh, substances like pregnenolone um, for decreasing cortisol and for decreasing inflammation. Um, but what would your what would your response to that be? Uh, oh, oh yeah, uh, all of those things. Uh, uh, coffee, uh, for example. Uh, Aspirin, things that promote uh, uh, mitochondrial oxidative use. Okay, sugar. And <laughs> herbal support would be Vitex, Chase Tree Berry, and Black Cohosh. Those are very effective at helping mitigate the menopausal symptoms. Okay, so uh, let's go on to the next question. I don't know if we've uh, finished the milk. Yeah, Dr. B, I wanted to ask a question about the milk. So m all baby formula is dehydrated milk, or dehydrated. Let's just say it's all dehydrated. So when you say make a formula out of milk, would you suggest adding anything to cow milk? Uh, uh, Fresh cow milk? Uh, yeah, you can uh, adjust the amount of, of fat and water in it if, if it makes it. More palatable to the baby, but uh, just as is, it'll work. And so, what about this um, talk in the news of a synthetic breast milk? What do you think of that? Uh oh, it definitely works. Do you think that would be preferable to cow's milk for babies? Or oh, oh, sure, yeah. Uh, the human, well. Uh, Assuming that the, the mother is eating uh, uh, properly, uh, because the human milk uh, reflects the human diet, uh, because we don't have a rumen. Uh, the cow can eat uh, uh, grass and weeds uh, and 
uh, quite a lot of polyunsaturated fats uh, and detoxifies them in the rumen. So uh, as a rule, uh, you, you uh, can say that if the woman is eating well, then her milk is going to be better than cow's milk. Right, but so what the question I was asking is, of course, we all know that mama's milk, breast milk, is preferable for a baby or the best, but uh, with a healthy diet. But I've read about them making breast milk in a laboratory, trying to synthesize breast milk in a lab. I was wondering what your thoughts were on that. Uh, uh, well, uh, uh, Probably not good. It might have certain similarities to breast milk, but it's definitely going to be a, a synthetic material. Chemical. <laughs> uh, what about uh, what about the subject of artificial meat? And, and again, it's between you know between milk and meat and uh, cancelling out substances like sugar. Um, they must say, "quote they who are they," but the industry uh, and whoever's behind the industry uh, is seeking, I think, to uh, separate people from their natural world. And I'm not saying, "Oh, everyone needs to drink milk," but I am saying that milk is an extremely good food, and I think there's so much evidence to support its use that the whole demonization of it is really the same kind of skewing the information that you're getting, that you've given previous examples of uh, in research. Um, you've, all, you've mentioned recently about um, protein intake for older people necessarily needing to be decreased, and that, that's not a bad thing. Um, so what about that in terms of uh, the amount of... Cause you've never been big on muscle meat per se you've always uh, encouraged people to use the whole animal getting the gelatin uh, from making a broth for example of chicken or knuckle bones or you know lamb shank uh, uh, yeah, yeah for many years people have been uh, aware that with aging uh, the metabolic rate slows down uh, and uh, de Barnes uh, was thinking about that uh, and the importance of the metabolic rate and he had been using a supplement of uh, I think two grains of armor thyroid and he decided to go on a high protein diet when he was around 60 I think and uh, found that he had to double his dose of thyroid hormone uh, to, to maintain his uh, functioning, uh, showing that uh, the uh, uh, for, for an older person, uh, uh, what seems to be a, a, a good level of uh, protein can can actually be very powerfully suppressive uh, to your thyroid function. Okay, so. Um We've talked about things like soy protein in the past being used as a um, meat alternative. Uh, we know that that's definitely not a uh, beneficial substance in terms of it um, raising estrogen in, in men and women and being uh, in, relatively inflammatory uh, in its own right. Um, so I think, uh, I think it's just part and parcel of our human human nature. And I think this really, for me, it's kind of speaking to the buyer beware uh, mentality that I think everyone needs to try and hang on to and remember because I think you know, it's just like social media and technology um, we're kind of cajoled and lured into this kind of seemingly fuzzy world of comfortable technology and we're really just sucking down so much poison that I think it's like being on drugs that are completely separating you from reality in terms of what's actually going on around you that you don't say anything and you're just cajoled and fuzzily oh it's okay if the government knows what they're doing this covid vaccine's a good thing it saves lives what you're talking about you're the crazy one um 
I'll bring that subject back out in a moment here, but we do have another caller on the air. So um, let's take this next caller. Caller, where are you from and what's your question? Uh, I'm from the Arcata area. Um, I just wanted to make a comment kind of looking at the general trend of things in this country where, you know, big corporations are, want to control everything uh, or at least the bulk of the economy. Um, so it had to do with um, seeds, basically. Um, you guys were talking about food and growing organic vegetables and stuff like that. And I, I was surprised talking to one of the vendors at the farmer's market um, that she had to buy seeds. Um, I don't know if it's some kind of license type of thing, but um, just looking at the trend of how things are uh, evolving, um, I would expect that over time, you know, the seed uh, supply is going to be controlled by, completely controlled or mostly controlled by big companies, and it would behoove people to learn how to uh, make their own seed, you know, grow their own seed, save seed, and uh, try to keep it uh, from being uh, contaminated with, I'm sure, uh, genes that are going to be inserted to either, you know, make it so you could only grow uh seed and it won't reproduce or what have you so i guess that was my comment just um moving forward that's a good thing for people to try to explore thank yeah. you for your show yeah you're welcome thank you for your call cool okay yeah so and then i wanted to just kind of round follow up that that caller with you know this really applies to people that are fortunate enough you know to have a garden i'm not talking about acres of land but i'm just talking about people that have a small garden you know to grow vegetables in because obviously you know and we've all known it and it's happened in china uh, quite successfully where millions and millions upon hundreds of millions of people were pulled out of rural agrarian locations and brought to the cities it's all about the cities and it's all about the mass media control they have over populations when you're in the cities and under their domain and you don't have a garden and you don't have a connection to the natural world that's when all of this is breaking down that's i think very uh, uh very similar to um you know some of the kind of biblical references to that very same subject and like the tower of babel uh, and how all of this was just a massive confusion and, um, you know, God made it impossible for them to understand each other. Uh, and that was because they just wanted to get on with it without God. And they didn't feel they needed any kind of natural creation. They could do, do without do without all of that. And I think, unfortunately, it's a kind of side effect of our humanism that, you know, we don't, you know, we're kind of numbed. And I think so many people, unfortunately, are just sucking it down, you know. And... Um, yeah, I find it hard to find it hard to believe in some ways that they're pulling it off, but I think what's happening really is a concerted and orchestrated attempt, and well, not even attempt. I think they're doing it. Uh, it's an orchestrated uh, play, and uh, they're going through the motions. But I'd never give up, and I would encourage everybody listening never to give up. They're never, as far as I'm concerned, they're never going to win. You just have to keep resisting and keep resisting to the very end, because the end is not the end. Okay, um, so. Yeah, Dr. P, again, like you've been, you've been around quite a while now and you've seen governments come and go and heads of state come and go and you've seen lots of headlines and politics, etc. Uh, I don't know, I'll just ask you in these last few closing moments about your impression. Yeah, is uh, there any hope? <laughs> of the world. What do you, what do you think about it? I mean, I, I know we're still, we're still alive and we're still trying to do the right thing, but, um, and where are you? Where are you with all of this? I, I'm still hopeful. <laughs> Good. Uh, the, uh, 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 like uh, Reiner Fjolnir uh, said, uh, we have to uh, do everything legal and, and possible uh, uh, to, to try to prosecute these people. But uh, at so, some point, he's uh, going to uh, count on a some kind of a cosmic bailout for us. <laughs> wait, wait. Reiner is counting on a cosmic bailout? Uh, uh, yeah, I forget his exact phrase, but uh, Interesting. He, he said he couldn't explain it rationally, but 
uh, he had this confidence that uh, the universe wasn't going to let it turn out the way the World Economic Federation hopes. Or the IMF. <laughs> okay, well. Well, that's hopeful. There's, there's hope then. Yeah, well, good. I appreciate your time uh, joining us on the show. And uh, only, only sad that we didn't have more callers, but I can only uh, hope that... Oh, it's a that busy weekend. People we have rodeo yeah, and well, the summer that's, arts that's fair. Local. And that's local. I can only hope that people are listening... Oyster Fest. ...listening and not calling in. Uh, but like I always say, the uh, archive is there for people to listen to in the future, and the future will vindicate uh, what you've said for a long time. So thanks so much again, Dr. Pete, for joining oh, us. Okay, thank you. Thank you, and good night. Night. Okay, so I just wanted to kind of finish off with saying that this this connection is undoubtable, you know, between technocracy uh, and dehumanization through lockdowns and social isolation. Um, so with government coercive measures and Soviet-era style social control where individuals are set against individuals similar also to the brown shirts of Nazi Germany, the Orwellian reality we are now in, and which, unless it's resisted, will become de facto the new normal, and must be resisted vehemently through peaceful protest and political involvement on the state and local level needs to occur. It's the reason we need another Hague and charges of international war crimes against humanity where the guilty are charged and why Rainer Formik's group in Germany is at this very moment pressing these charges. So the thing is ongoing. Um, I like to think that there is a real justice and uh, that we're not just going to be sucked into the matrix <laughs> we're not going to have any uh any any uh any way through it so do you say there's someone else uh who wanted to ask a question well i think dr pete's probably hung up by now anyway hello yeah go ahead we've got three minutes as well okay. until the top of the hour so okay a couple of things uh one is um the uh i don't even think we've got time we've got three minutes it's not okay. going to happen okay. I'm, I'm, I'm so um, sorry Okay. <laughs> we better we better call this it because we'll run uh, over. Okay. And so uh, basically, I want to know. Okay, they say that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, and you seem to think that uh, getting some kind of treatment is better than getting a vaccine to prevent the COVID. And you know, I, I would rather not get it than have to you know get it and be treated for it. But so I'd like to, an answer to that question, and also basically, why do you think? that the vaccine is worse for you than the COVID itself. Uh, the information's out there for anybody who wants to search for it, so it's not something you're going to see on your Facebook group or on your YouTube channel. Or Google typically. or the fact checkers that yeah. uh, check that work for google and it is two minutes to the top of the hour so i need to give credit to dr pete and his website and his information so i uh, appreciate your call but don't have time to answer it i'm sorry so okay for those of you who've uh, listened to the show they run every third friday of the month from 7 to 8 p.m uh we'll be back in july uh we're coming up to the solstice now so uh we run a business called western botanical medicine and dr raymond pete his website is ray pete R-A-Y-P-E-A-T dot com and he has got plenty of scientific referenced articles that are not his opinion uh, but are pulled from current medical journals or past medical journals medical research, trials etc etc and again may not be something that you'll find on your Facebook group uh, or if you just google it uh, up until this point you're probably not going to find it and uh, some of it's going to be censored and we're probably moving into a more censored environment as we go on folks so people just watch out you know uh, anyway without being alarmist about it my name's Andrew Murray and we'll talk to you again in July my name is Sarah Johannesson Murray. Thank you for listening.